Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today. We hope this podcast encourages you and points you closer to Jesus. Let's jump in. Looking at uh, history is, is an amazing teacher because I think we get some perspective. It feels like this is the hardest life has ever been for many of us. This feels like the most difficult thing in the, in the, in the universe that's ever happened for many of us. But when you look back, you can see, wow, Jesus' church has endured much more than what we are currently experiencing. How have they done that? Persecutions, uh, being scattered, being oppressed, being, being thrown in jail, being killed. Like, what is it that's kept the church together through wars? They've been, they've been together through all kinds of different political parties. There was, there was a time in Europe where, where kings would change their religion just based on popularity, trying to get more people to follow them. I mean, it was just like craziness. Uh, there were so many moments where the church was just absolutely brutalized from the outside, from the inside. How has Jesus' church endured? How has his people become strong? Today, this conversation is one that um, I think is a little, it's a little sensitive, so buckle up. It'll be okay. It'll be all right. But I think it's, it's an important conversation for us to have because as we think about Jesus' church being unified, Brandon was talking about it a minute ago, the di- diversity in this room is so crazy. There's no way that we could be together. If, if we had to all agree on everything and be perfectly harmonious to be unified, that would be impossible. But there's something supernatural about coming under the leadership, the authority of Jesus, his leaders, his people, that has made the church strong. And I want to look at this today. How has this happened? When Jesus originally came, he gathered 12 guys to be his disciples who became apostles. Apostle is this this tremendous responsibility to take the word of God, the message of good news, all throughout the land. They they were commissioned to go make disciples of all nations and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey everything that God had commanded. That message they took seriously and they began to raise up other leaders. And and those leaders that took on that same responsibility, that mantle, hey, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm gonna go make disciples. And certain of those those disciples began to become kind of leaders within the church and take on responsibility for an area or a city. Peter was like a bishop over Jerusalem. Uh, Paul, he, he had this responsibility to plant all these churches but all these guys got killed. They got, they got martyred. They got hung upside down on the cross. They got, they got stabbed. They got all kinds of stuff. One guy, John, actually got, got um, sent to an island called Patmos. He was exiled. He's the one that wrote Revelation, the last book in, in the scripture that you have. And um, he spent his life writing, having these revelations, these last few years on this island. And, and what was so cool, though, is all of these guys raised up people to to follow Jesus. John particularly had a guy named Polycarp that he invested in. And if you look at history, you can see Polycarp's influence on the church. Well, Polycarp actually raised up another guy named Irenaeus of Lyon. I have his earliest work right here. It it was from 177 AD. This document is is him um, writing to the church to protect the church from heresy, from false teaching. I talked about a little bit last week, if you were with us, this teaching called Gnosticism had crept into the church where people didn't really believe Jesus came in the flesh and they were trying to draw people away from the true message that Jesus really did come in the flesh and 
died to save sinners from their sin, that you can be free, that us human beings can actually be free from sin and live with God forever. Like this message was being tainted and damaged and Irenaeus was like, "Uh uh-uh. This is the message that we have gotten from the apostles. We cannot let this get corrupted. In fact, let me just read you the opening paragraph here. He says, so faith procures this for us. As the elders, the disciples of the apostles have handed down to us. I want you to catch this phrasing. There was elders, these disciples of the apostles. So he's talking about Polycarp, the one that discipled him. They have handed this down to us. Firstly, this faith exhorts us to remember that we have received baptism for the remission of sins in the name of God the Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was incarnate. He came in the flesh and died and was raised and in the Holy Spirit of God, and that this baptism is the seal of eternal life and rebirth unto God. He's writing with this, the the technical term is this apostolic succession, where the apostles handed off to, John handed off to Polycarp, Polycarp to to Irenaeus, and Irenaeus raises up leaders where he's at in Lyon, and and, and those leaders began to take on responsibilities. Irenaeus was actually the bishop of Lyon, like the, the regional pastor for the whole part of that world. And when you and I look at this, we have great confidence that Jesus' church has had this practice of raising up godly leaders and trusting the care of Jesus' church, the protection from false teaching and all these crazy things that are happening, the the shepherding of souls through difficulty. All of this has been part of God's design. And God's people have always had to make a decision. Jesus came to save me from my sin, He died on the cross for me. Am I going to surrender my heart to him and be a part of the thing that he set up? Jesus set up his church. And it's, man, we live in a world that is super skeptical right now, especially when you talk about leaders. Anybody seen a bad leader lately? Don't raise your hand. Okay, we've seen bad decisions. We felt the pressure of bad leadership. Some of you have been in church situations that were horrible. Pastors and leaders in the church did horrible things. You've experienced hurt within these relationships. And skepticism rises in our hearts like, who can we trust? Who can we follow? Is that really what Jesus intended his church to look like? Is that really a godly leader, somebody that I could put my soul under the care of, somebody that I can follow wholeheartedly? And here's my concern is that many of us through different issues and experiences, we find ourselves hesitant and a little fearful about following people, following humans, because God's the only one that's not going to let me down, this kind of thinking, right? Or, or maybe a very individualistic thinking that's crept into our hearts that says, well, if I don't agree and I don't like it, then I'm not following. And that, that, that thinking is dangerous because it keeps us outside of God's design. See, when we come into God's design, we're protected. We're, we're full of peace, full of joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. The things that you're actually built to experience, you can never make those happen on your own. And, and, and we are tempted to try to figure it out because we've been hurt. Well, I've, I've come under leaders, and I have a bad boss, and I, I don't like our governor, and whatever you might want to complain about. When we step outside of God's design, we are not protected. 
we have a, 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 an opportunity now to be drug away by teaching, by bad leadership, by, by our own evil desires. So this is a conversation that I believe God wants us to have because this is part of what's made Jesus' church strong. Is as leaders have been raised up and appointed and set in place, Jesus' people have followed. They haven't sat on the distance at a sideline kind of watching. We'll see. We'll see where this one goes. We'll see about these people. But they've wholeheartedly said, no, I'm in. I'm a part of this thing. I'm going to serve. I'm going to lead. I'm going to find my place. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to be a part of this thing and not just allow my heart to sit skeptical, lacking submission to this design of God, but saying wholeheartedly, I'm in. And my, my prayer is through this conversation that God would take us from wherever we are, if we're on the fringe, if we're outside of God's design, that he'd begin to take you a step closer to his heart, to his design, to his purpose, that you would come and be a part of something special, supernatural, that you would actually be take this slice of history that we've been given with all of its amazing moments and challenging moments, and we would take responsibility for it, thinking of the generations to come, that they would look back at us and go, thank you, Thank you for enduring. Thank you for, for being wholeheartedly committed to Jesus' design, his purpose, his leading in your life. Thank you for preserving the church through a difficult time in history that the next generation would rise up and call us blessed. That's my vision. That's my hope for us in this conversation, that we wouldn't allow skepticism, hurt, insecurities, fears to drive the way we live. God, would you show us your design? Jesus is our model in this. Uh, if you've got notes today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk you through a lot of Scripture. So um, just kind of hang with me. Maybe jot some of these references down. We'll have a lot of it on the screen. In John chapter 12, verse 49, one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, Jesus is speaking. And he says this, I don't speak on my own authority. If there's anybody that could have claimed his own authority, it was God. God in the flesh, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the one that was about ready to lay down his life for all of mankind. He says, no, 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 I don't speak on my own authority. Just think of the magnitude of these words. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Think of the level of submission Jesus is modeling right here. Not only what, but also how. Jesus could have said all of God's things, but set them in the devil's way. That's how some of us operate. Oh, I'm just preaching the truth. A lot like how the devil would preach it, right? You're just like mean, nasty. No, Jesus was concerned with not only the what, but also the how. This is a deep level of submission to his father. If there's anybody that didn't need to submit, could have been God. But here he is demonstrating this amazing picture of who we are to be as a people. I know his commands lead to eternal life, Jesus says. Remember, you got to keep this in mind. A part of God's design, a part of God's commands, following his way leads to life, leads to joy, fulfillment, satisfaction. Like, this is where you want to be. And so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. When I look at this picture, I'm just driven to go, okay, church, how do we be a church that walks in God's design? How do we have a structure? How do we have this thing set up so that we could actually endure through difficulties, that we don't just fade away because we're not unified and we're not protected and we're not staying encouraged. We're not, we're not a part of something significant. We're just doing our own thing. Doing your own thing is dangerous. 
And that's what I want to call you out of today. See, in Jesus' church, he had always established leaders. They called, called them overseers or elders in the church. Irenaeus was one of those elders in Lyon. Polycarp before him, John before him. In Titus chapter 1, you jot these down, verse 9, Paul says to Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished. See, Paul had been there. He had preached the good news of Jesus Christ, that people had come to know Jesus, and now churches were being established in homes and all throughout this region called Crete. And, and, and he's saying to Titus, hey, I need you to go put in order what remained unfinished. Appoint elders in every town. Think about this. He's going, hey, I want Jesus' church to last in that part of the world. I don't want to just fade away, people to get discouraged, unprotected. I want you to appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder, this is what they're like. They must be blameless. Simple job description. Intimidating, yes, but God's word. Faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. Listen, I love this. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught. So important. God's leaders take what has been handed down from generation to generation, and they hold firmly to it. They don't allow the church to drift off into a new teaching or a new revelation. We take the good news of Jesus Christ that has been handed to us, and we hold firmly to it so that this elder can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Peter speaks to the responsibility of elders in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. He says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Be a shepherd. Care for these sheep. I kind of don't like that God calls us sheep, but it's one of those understandable terms because what do sheep do? They don't really take direction well. They tend to drift off and just do their own thing. They end up walking off cliffs quite often, drowning in water. They need somebody to guide them, protect them. Shepherd God's flock that is under your care. Watch over them. Not because you must, but because you are willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain. He echoes what Paul said to Titus. Not pursuing dishonest gain. You're not in it for yourself but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, I love this, there's structure in place. You elders at, at, at Real Life Spokane, you're shepherds, but there's a chief shepherd. And he's the one that's going to hold you accountable to the way you eldered here at Real Life and the way that you led and the way that you shepherd. And when the chief shepherd appears... You will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. So there's kind of two parts here. Lead well, submit well. Follow well is really how you could say that. All of you, elders, non-elders, all of you, I love this, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. You ever had a relationship that goes bad when everybody's trying so hard to be humble? 
It doesn't happen. Relationship goes really well when people are humble. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. James 3, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. When I think about this whole picture here, Jesus is saying, hey, I've got a flock, I've got people, I've got a church. When Jesus thinks about his church, he thinks about it in this term. He gives us a couple terms. One is bride. Think about this marriage picture. If, if it, my, my wife had a birthday this weekend, and when I think about my wife, like as my bride, I want to honor her, cherish her, celebrate her, protect her. Man, if anybody's going to say anything about my wife, watch out. I'm serious. Like, you will get all of, all, I'll be godly, but I'll be, I'll be like right in your face. And, and I think about Jesus thinking about his church as his bride. Thinking about his church as his body, Paul says he's the head. We are the members, like the fingers and toes, the parts of the body. He's the leader. We're under it. We're in this thing. Jesus has a passion for us to be his church, a church that will endure and a church that walks according to his leading. He's like, I got leaders, and leaders got a bigger responsibility. They're going to be judged more harshly. They got to pay attention to how they live and how they walk, that they are a model for your life. But as as the church, Hebrews 13, 17 is so good. Have confidence in your leaders. Think about how much different this is than the world we live in, a world of skepticism, questions, I don't know. We'll see if we can trust these people. He says, no, no, no. I want you to have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you and your soul as those who must give an account. They're going to be held accountable. So do this, that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. If everybody hates it, you're all going to hate it, right? It's like, if it's bad, it's bad. So when I think about this conversation... I want to just wade into some delicate waters for a second. Because there has been so many experiences that you've had. But all throughout these these church history conversations, we've been trying to boil this down to one simple practice. Like what makes Jesus' church strong? Godly leaders that continue to hold the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the message firmly in their hearts that shepherd well, that live above reproach, and people that follow well. Those two things have made Jesus' church strong. Do you agree? As you hear all those scriptures, you can see that, like, wow, there is a responsibility for both. People that lead well and people that follow well. The word, the word is submission. That's the discipline of our hearts. And that's a difficult, kind of weighty conversation. And so I want to, I just want to look at this together because I think what gives me passion for this is not like, like, oh, people should do this and people should not be that way. No, 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 Like, it's just this passion for us to actually be who Jesus calls us to be. Not fake it. You, you could come in here and go out and you could kind of go through motions and still be doing your own thing. God, at the heart of us as a people, would we really authentically, truly be your people? Not not faking it, acting like it, carrying your name, but, but not really being who you've made us to be. There's this sense of 
passion inside me that rises up and go, come on, let's not be posers, people. Let's not just play games and do religious stuff and, and, and act like we've got some sort of kind of image of religion and it's powerless. Oh, God, we want your power. We want lives changed. We want the city transformed. We want to be a part of something miraculous. None of us wants to waste our time. So God, show us. Show us a unified church, a church filled with vision, with godly leaders, with people who follow really well. God, show us how to be this church that endures, that the generations to come will go, yes, thank you, real life. Thank you for doing what God called you to do. How do you carry this, this word submission well? How do you carry this discipline well? With all of our different experiences, we have to just kind of go, okay, let's cut through that and just go, how do we do this? One, I would say this. If you're taking down notes, it's this. Jesus loves his church. He's the chief shepherd. He's the head. He's the authority. It's his bride. I said it a minute ago. It's his body. He will love. He will protect. He He will fight for. He, he, he is so good at this. If there's bad leaders in, you know what he does? He gets them out. If there are people that seem like unlikely leaders that are kind of hiding in the, in the crowd, he gets them in. You feel like drug in, Jesus is like, I got you, I got you. I'm, I'm pulling you in because he sees your character. He sees your passion. He sees the things that nobody else sees, and he's like, I need you leading in my church. You can't make a difference just sitting on the sidelines. I need you passionately praying, caring for my church. Jesus loves his church, and so he will get the wrong people out, the right people in. He will do whatever he has to do, and we can trust Jesus who loves his church more than any of us to be the leader that we need him to be. And for you and I just to kind of settle our hearts there and go, oh, okay, I can submit to God under his authority and his design and the leaders that he puts in place because he is in charge. And he is good and he loves us and he knows what's best for us. And I can just settle my heart there and go, okay, God, I don't know if I had experiences. I got hurt by that leader, that pastor. He betrayed this, and he, they did that, and they stole this, and those people were, Ugh. okay, Jesus, you're good. You're in charge. You love me. You love your church. You could just kind of settle your heart down and go, okay, all the buttons that are getting pushed by this word submission, and I know that there's a lot of buttons. Jesus, you're good. You know what's best. The second thing I would say is this, is submission is usually tested when we don't agree. If you're jotting stuff down, you got to get this because I think it's, it's easy to talk about submission when everything's like kumbaya land, right? I remember I was a part of real life in, in Post Falls. We, we worked there for about five years before we came here to plant this church. And um, I can't remember what year it was, but uh, the, the elders there and lead pastor Jim, they were like, we're, God's leading us as a church. We're going to buy this huge chunk of land. We're going to build this huge like campus, and it's going to be awesome, and we want all of you to help us buy this. is like $2 million chunk of like 100-plus acres. We're like, yeah, God's leading us too. I sold my truck, and I gave all the money to that thing. And I'm like, yes, this is what God wants us to do. And about nine months later, the economy had totally taken a nosedive and construction costs had like quadrupled in price. It kind of feels like right now redone. And, and, and the elders and, and the leaders were like, no, that's not the next step for us. And I remember like, what are we doing? Like, we, we were all in. Like, we're, we're taking a left turn now. Like, how is this? And, and submission gets tested in that moment, right? 
Not when everything's all hunky-dory and everything makes sense. Oh, that's exactly what I would have done. You know, you're not submitted then, right? If, if I agree and I get it and I like it, that's not submission. It's tested when you're like, eh, I don't like this. I, don't, I wish it would have gone a different way. I, I liked my truck. I, I was like my dream truck, right? Like, I, I, I love that thing. Do we understand that God will be able to hold those leaders accountable for their leadership and their decisions? As a follower, I trust that God is going to hold them accountable, but God is also going to hold me accountable for my following. And for, for you and I to understand, oh, okay, this is part of us knowing, like, it's going to get tested and our buttons are going to get pushed. I, I'm one of the elders here. We're an elder-led church. We make six, seven, eight key decisions together as a church. As the lead pastor, I choose to be one of those elders, submitted to those el- that elder team, not like kind of, you know, well, this is what we got to do and you guys just get on board. Like, I think it would be so tempting to, to walk in that kind of a place. But not one of our elders, you couldn't go up to Dave Powers in the back and you know what we should do? We should do this thing and get it done, Elder Dave. That's not how it works. Not one of our elders has any authority by themselves. The only authority our eldership has is in unity, consensus together as a team. And so for, for each of us as elders to recognize, wow, we carry a responsibility not only to shepherd the flock, but make God's decisions together as a team. I could look back over the last year, year and a half, and go, there's three, four, maybe five decisions that I wholeheartedly disagreed with that I got on board with. And the worst part about that is being the lead pastor, I actually have to implement that decision. <laughs> This is what God's telling us to do, right? Like, it, it would be so easy to carry that with, like, a little bit of a bad attitude. But that's not our opportunity. To choose submission, to choose, like, getting on board and to wholeheartedly do so. It's so important. I said it a minute ago, but I want you to hear this again. Individualism has crept into, into our culture. I mean, some of you moved here to get away from people. Think about it, Right? How much property can you really have, right? My neighbors are 400 miles away. It's awesome. You know, they're not neighbors, okay? Uh, But just think about this. I have to be true to myself. It's a constant conversation. Well, that's good for you, but that's not good for me. That's that's not my belief. That's your belief. If I don't agree, I don't have to do it. That is individualism that has crept into the church as well. That is not God's design. We're a team. We're a body. We're a family. And there's going to be things that we like and things we don't like. Agree, don't agree. And submission is going to get tested in these places, and we are going to have to make a decision. Jesus, do I trust that you're good, that you're in charge, that you're, you're in control, and that you're going to walk us toward the future that you have for us as a people? And I think that this decision is individual and it's personal for every one of us to go, okay, I'm not going to sit hesitant on the sideline and see if these guys mess it up or not. I'm going to go all in. Because God's going to hold me accountable to my following just like he's going to hold the leaders accountable for their leading. And am I willing, God, to, to walk in your design under your protection as a part of your church? Because this is a church that endures. So when we recognize the authority, the structure, the way God builds it and puts it together, that we would say, okay, God, I'm in. As scared as I am, as, as, as uncertain as I am, as many questions as I have, I'm in. Let's say this, leaders are all over the place, and they struggle just like you struggle. 
And it's easy to do this. We put leaders on a pedestal like they should know this. They should have that figured out. They, if they're going to ask us to buy $2 million worth of property, they should have their, their stuff figured out, right? Nobody could predict the economy and all those changes that they went through back then. But for you and I to recognize, you know, your leaders, more than skepticism and questions, you know what they need? They need encouragement and prayer. Like, just reverse the roles for a second. And you are carrying the weight of all of these decisions. And all anybody ever said to you was all the things you're messing up. How often and how long would you stay in that role? You know, 30, almost 40% of pastors right now are getting out of ministry. That's a lot of pastors being discouraged. I mean, COVID has been horrible for so many leaders. It's hard. Worst two years of my life, leadership-wise, I could say that with all my heart. And just understanding, like, we all need encouragement. Your shepherds are here to shepherd you and keep you encouraged. Man, what an opportunity for you to go, hey, I could pray for, I could support, I could, I could bring wisdom, I could bring encouragement. The other thing I would say this is when you're thinking about submission, blind following is not what we're talking about. If you have questions, ask them. That's a good, responsible thing to do. Ask for clarity. Ask for insight. What am I missing? What am I not seeing? The tendency is, I don't agree, so I'm going somewhere else. And we're calling. We're like, hey, I haven't seen you in a while. What's going on? Oh, yeah, we just... I won't repeat it because there's a lot of those conversations. And, and when that happens, I, I mean, I'm like, there's junior high. We always played football at recess. Anybody else? Just like, you get muddy in middle school. It's so good. But there was inevitably the kid that brought the football to school, and if the game didn't go the way he wanted the game to go, he would take his ball and he'd go inside. We're like, what? You can't take your ball and just walk away when things aren't going your way. But that's exactly what happens in the church. Is we just like, well, it's not going the way I like it to go. I'm just, whoo. But the church is dependent on you being you, a part of this thing. This, this body is only as whole and pure and effective as you bringing all of you to it. And it's so tempting to just go do our own thing and, and just be individualistic about this. No, no, no. Ask for clarity. Ask questions. Our team will do our very best. We don't always do a good job, but do our very best to try to hear and understand. That doesn't mean we'll agree. Agreeing and hearing are two different things. Amen? But try to understand, get on the same page. And the last thing I would say, just to encourage you, there's leaders and there's followers, and I think both are important and needed. But I want to challenge you with this. Like, Jesus Church, there's just a few things that he asked us to pray for. And one of them is he asked us to pray for workers, leaders, people that are willing to take responsibility for the harvest. He said the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. What if you became someone who could lead? But if you became someone who could take responsibility for the church, not just armchair quarterback it. You know, those guys, they don't win any games. They got all the right answers. They don't actually get to experience the thrill of winning or the pain of losing. But you, you have an opportunity to go, hey, I have gifts, I have abilities. I don't know how God's going to use me, but I want to be a part of something special. I want to make this place special. I'm not going to just sit at a distance and hope that it... They get everything all figured out that I'm actually going to be someone that can be depended on and carry responsibility around here. Jesus Church has always needed leaders, people to rise up and take responsibility. 
And I believe that God would call all of us to take a step forward in responsibility. It may not be all the responsibility, but maybe just one more step. Go, okay, God, you got to speak to me about that. So that's what I want to ask you to do right now. So I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. I want to read Jesus again, John 12. Just listen. Close your eyes. Just listen. Let these words, this model. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Just ask him. Lord, what is it that you would call me to? What is my next step? For some of you, maybe it's going to one-on-one. You're just going, I I don't know what real life is about. I want to go all in, but I'm not sure. That's why we put one-on-one together. So that you could go, oh, this is what they believe. This is what it's about. Some of you, it's just starting with Jesus. You're going, man, I, I, I haven't been baptized. I'm not following Jesus. And that's your next step. Others of you, you've been hurt. You got pain. And the fear of being hurt again is keeping you on the sideline. God's just inviting you out of that pain. our hope is today you would have the courage to respond to God's leading. Our team will be up here in a few minutes to pray with you, talk with you about any next steps, getting baptized, getting in a group, starting to lead a group, figuring out what your next steps are, when 101 is, whatever it is. We'll pray with you about anything going on in your life, marriage, addiction, anything. I want you to stand to your feet so I can pray with you today in your life. Lord, you see every heart here. You know every story. You know every, everything, God, that we've carried in here. Yet by your miraculous power, God, you're bringing us together as one, as a body, as a team, God, as a family that's committed, God, to your heart, to your passion, to your mission, Jesus. God, where there's fear, God, I just ask for power, God, to overcome that fear. Where there's hurt, God, I ask for healing. Where there's a lack of faith, God, I ask for your spirit just to give us faith that we don't have right now. God, make us a strong church, a strong people, the people who lead well, who follow well, the people who take responsibility for your your mission and your church, God, the people who don't just sit on the sidelines and watch the mission go by, God, but say wholeheartedly, I'm in, Jesus, I'm a part. God, I pray that you would just continue to raise up an army. God, you took dead, dry bones and made them an army. God, you can make us an army. I ask God for the impossible in this room. And I ask God for the miraculous to flood our hearts and the the faith, God, to believe that you are here and that you are moving and that you love us, God. Thank you for every heart. We worship you and we trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. And I love you so much, real life. Let's become an enduring church. Let's become a strong people. Take those connect cards, the giving envelopes, drop those in the box as you leave. Come forward for prayer. Talk about any next step that God's got on your heart. I love you a ton. We'll see you soon. Have an awesome week. 
thanks so much for joining us on the Real Life Spokane podcast. We exist to reach this world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. We love you so much, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.